Hello and welcome along to episode 87 of the All Things Leagues podcast with myself, Ed McIntyre, and joining me remotely, of course, is as always my co-host, Charles Foster. Charles, hello, mate. Hi, mate. How you doing? I'm uh, very well. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Pleased with the win, and I'm looking forward to the weekend now for the next game. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a very good win on a Tuesday night. Uh, we'll, of course, be talking about Leeds United's 3-0 win over Southampton. That, uh, yeah, really has lifted the mood heading into uh, the Aston Villa game on Saturday, which uh, Charles and I will preview as well later on in the show. We've got a bit of news to talk about as well. So, uh, yeah, lots coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. Well, as always, let's begin the show by reflecting on Leeds United's previous game, which was, of course, that 3-0 win over Southampton at Ellen Road. Uh, Charles, uh, the game uh, was quite good in the end, but uh, it was a very nervy first half, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a very even first half. I thought Southampton had a good game plan. They pressed us very well, pressed the back line and forced us to make errors when we were passing out and generally make mistakes in our play, which they then capitalised on and won free kicks here and there and created a few chances. So I thought we dealt with it much better second half. I thought we had a bit more energy. And I thought once we broke through their press and played a few longer balls, we, we did some proper damage, particularly with the finding Costa and Rafinha on the wings with long balls. I thought we did some proper damage when they, those kind of long balls came off successfully. But the uh, yeah, the first half was a, was a little bit tough um, and a few controversial moments. Yeah, yeah, they certainly were. But... Um... But no, it was a very nervy first half. I, I don't think Leeds were particularly good. We did make quite a lot of mistakes. Uh, I felt as though we, we kind of lost a battle in midfield, really. I, I think it was evident that we missed Calvin Phillips. Um, yeah, the first half really was not enjoyable. Southampton, some really good chances early on. And, you know, we kind of got away with it, really. Um, Vestergaard, he had a free header. That, uh, he headed wide. He really should have hit the target and probably probably scored that one. Uh, so, yeah, how, how were you feeling early on in the game? Because Southampton did create quite a few decent chances. Yeah, it was it was a little bit tense. I felt that we were perhaps fortunate to not go to not go behind in the first half. But yeah, I still, still thought it was fairly even a fairly even yeah. game. I thought we had a couple of chances as well. Rafinha had that really good one at the end of the first half where Romeo just made that wonder tackle. Although I do think Rafinha should have shot, you know, sooner than he did. Or sooner than yeah. he tried to. Yeah, they, they had a couple of good chances as well from a few set pieces and stuff, which we knew was going to come. The Vestergaard one. And of course the um the penalty controversy, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we certainly will. But, um, but yeah, no, you, you know, you met, I think you're right saying it was even because, yeah, Lee's created a few chances themselves. Liam Cooper uh, almost scored himself, fingertip saved there uh, from uh, McCarthy. Uh, Roberts as well fired over. And uh, yeah, Rafinha probably should have scored that chance. Uh, yeah, I had all the time in the world. Dallas just set him free. He was one on one with the keeper. Maybe should have taken it on with his right foot, but he tried cutting inside on his left. And uh, yeah, Ovi Almaveru, really good last ditch challenge from him. Yeah, it's probably one of the <laughs> one of the best last ditch challenges I've ever seen. It was a uh, phenomenal from Romeo there, which is infuriating really because it was a great chance to go ahead. Yeah, it was a very good chance to to go ahead. But uh, you know, Southampton they had plenty of chances to go ahead themselves. Uh, they will probably feel a little bit hard done by by the uh, overturned penalty and the uh, free kick incidents, but they shouldn't feel hard done by because they. Try to cheat, basically. So the penalty first. So Diego Llorente makes zero contact with Nathan Teller. You know, he, he falls down like a sack of sponges, just dives. Llorente makes no contact with him. But referee Andrew Mariner still pointed to the spot. But uh, yeah, BAR check. Mariner uh, looked at the monitor and then overturned his decision. And uh, yeah, the right decision. It was no penalty. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a dive, wasn't it, from Teller? Uh, yeah, it was just a straight dive. He, he runs along, he's expecting the contact. He's, I, I think he sees Llorente uh, kind of go in with his 
with his foot. Obviously, Juventus pulls out of it, but he stretches his foot out and basically searches for the contact on the Juventus leg and goes down. Referee, yeah. you know, I don't know why he gives it, but he gives it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised that he gave it initially as well because initially it, it looked like a dive, like it did not look like a penalty. Yeah, it's good. It's good thing that it got overturned because, uh, yeah, it, it did die. But what I don't understand, so Mavino goes over and looks at the monitor, overturns his decision. So clearly he's seen that there's no contact there. So surely he thinks that he's dived. So why wasn't he shown a yellow card? Why wasn't Teller shown a yellow card for diving? It's the same one that we had against uh, with Saka when we played Arsenal, and he clearly dived when Linku put the slightest amount of pressure on him. And um, the, the referees just out booking players for diving. If you don't punish players for diving, they'll just continue to do it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it, we've seen it over recent weeks: players diving and not getting booked. Yeah, you need to start booking players for diving, otherwise they will just continue to do it and try and cheat. And see, so, yeah, I know I was baffled as to why he wasn't shown the other card, but good that the uh, decision was overturned. Um, and yeah, number three kick incident. Uh, they try to take a free kick early, try and catch leads out, but uh, they do put the ball in the back of the net, but the referee uh, hadn't blown his whistle to uh, to restart the game. He wasn't ready. You could see it on, on TV. He was screaming at Southampton players that he wasn't ready, showing them the whistle. So yeah, he hadn't blown the whistle for play to continue and Southampton to, to take the free kick. He blew his whistle again before to put the ball in the back of the net. So Southampton were just trying to cheat here. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, I see a lot of Southampton fans complaining and saying, oh, you're, you're allowed to take quick free kicks. And I do understand that, but at the same time, he blows it just after they kick off with the free kick. So I can understand the frustration there. If that was all it was and they'd scored, I couldn't understand them being a bit annoyed. But he, he even blows the stop play before Jay yeah. Adams actually scores, as you've said. So, yeah, there's no way that, that should stand. But if, if the referee's telling you to stop play and then you score and then you're wondering why and surrounding the referee, that's, yeah, pathetic, really. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't think there's, you know, I don't think Southampton fans and players should complain about that, really, because they clearly tried taking free kick before the referee was ready, before he blew the whistle. You know, it showed them whistle. And usually, you know, before games, referees will tell players, all right, just, you know, when you get a free kick, you know, you can try to take it as quick as you want. But, um, you know, in, in cases like this, then I will blow the whistle and then you can take it. So you probably told them before, but, you know, when this free kick was taken, you know, while they were setting up, on my whistle, the referee probably would have told them. And but yeah, they, they just tried catching us out, and uh, yeah, it didn't work. The referee uh, rightly pulled it back. Uh, so yeah, we, we we somehow made it to half time at 0 0. You know, I thought Southampton could have well been ahead at the break, uh, they had a lot of good chances, but again, 0 0 at half time. Uh, Held Costa comes on for Jack Harrison, and uh, Jack Harrison had a had a quiet game on Tuesday night, and he, he's been off it really for, for quite a few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah. He... He wasn't great in that game. And I thought Costa, when he came on, had a superb second half. I thought it was really good. I thought it was, gave us the kind of pace and the width. And I thought Dallas was finding him a lot of the time and Roberts were finding him a lot of time in, in good space. And he was creating a lot of chances. He, I think he won, the, he won the free kick for Rafinha's goal as well, right up in the, uh, just outside the box. So, yeah, Costa came on, it was great. But yeah, Harrison, over the last couple of weeks, hasn't been, hasn't been brilliant. But, you know, he is a bit of an inc- in, inconsistent player. Yeah. Always has been during his time, but he has these great patches of form and these dodgy patches of form, kind of similar to how Bamford has been has been in the past couple, couple of seasons. Obviously, Bamford's been a bit more consistent this season, but yeah, Harrison's just not been quite at it. You never know, we might see a change there. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see Helder Costa come on and do well because he's been criticised quite heavily. Uh, this season, especially, you know, with the arrival of Rafinha, we've seen what Rafinha can do. And Rafinha came in for around the same price as Helder Costa, and Costa just doesn't deliver the same as Rafinha. But 
you know, Costa came came on against Arsenal, scored a goal, obviously, so did quite well there. And yeah, did quite well on Tuesday night. Uh, could we possibly see how the Costas start the next game uh, ahead of Jack Harrison? I think it's possible. I think no one's a drop. I mean, even Mateus Click got dropped eventually for his kind of out-of-sort performances and he was a proper Bielsa mainstay. So I think it's certainly possible. Yeah, certainly. And um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't argue if, if Costa did start the next game. Yeah, I thought he played very well on Tuesday night. And um, yeah, Leeds, Leeds were much better in, in the second half against Southampton. We've cost up the lead three minutes into the second half. It was a really nice goal, this as well. So Diego Juvente starts off uh, passing the ball out from defence into Tyler Roberts in midfield. Roberts played a really nice ball through to Patrick Bamford, who uh, yeah, hit it first time, found the bottom far uh, right-hand corner to grab his 13th goal of the season. Yeah, Charles, a, a really nice assist and a really nice finish from Bamford. Yeah, it was great stuff. Just just great play from start to finish. I thought Urense played that kind of high-risk, high-reward pass into midfield. Roberts kind of gathers it and um, fires a similar kind of pass to the one he did against Wolves, you know, when he said put, put Bamford through. But Bamford was judged to be offside against Wolves, but here he was onside. Great finish right in the corners. I don't think there's much the keeper could have done about it. And uh, yeah, great start to the second half. Just lifts the pressure completely. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, yeah, Tyler Roberts, that's now two assists in uh, his last three Premier League games. Should be three and three, really. You know, if we, if we look at the, uh, the you know the, the Bamford goal that was ruled out against Wolves. But uh, now two assists in three Premier League games for Tyler Roberts. Um, he, he's really improved over recent weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been good since he's come in. I mean, he's, he's had to have been because we've got no Rodrigo at the moment. He's uh, doesn't look like he's. We've got a date when he's coming back. Yeah, as of yet, and um, Roberts has got a superb opportunity to kind of prove himself as a as a really good first team player here. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Tyler Roberts in the next few games. Hope he uh, hopefully keeps doing well. Yeah, yeah. So am I. And uh, yeah, it's good that he's getting assists because uh, he's certainly not getting the goals. He had a, he had a few chances in in this game, one in the first half, a couple in the second half as well, which um, yeah, which he. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, didn't score. Uh, Diego Juventi as well. He had a really good chance in the second half, didn't he? But uh, McCarthy pulled off a really good save there. And Bamford, he cleared the ball off the line at one point in the second half, didn't he? Uh, Vestergaard, uh, his header. Yeah, Bamford claiming the ball off the line. So uh, it's good to see that Bamford can uh, can score at one end and then uh, do the defensive work <laughs> the other end. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly got it all, doesn't he? Uh, but no, of course, of course, Leeds United uh, made it 2-0 uh, on 70 minutes. Uh, so yeah, we break on the counter-attack. Uh, Stuart Dallas plays the ball out to the right to Helder Costa. He gives it back to Dallas, and Dallas ends up uh, toe-poking the ball into uh, the bottom left corner. I mean, some finish this from Dallas. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really weird finish, because I've seen the goal must be 10 or 15 times now, 10 to 15 times, and I still it's still a really strange finish, because he kind of just punts it with his, his foot. But yeah, Dallas is involved at the start of the move. He he kind of finds Elder Costa out on the on the right wing. Costa kind of dribbles it round and um, finds Dallas. I think Bamford makes quite a clever run. Is Bamford or Rafinha? It was Rafinha. I think it might have been. Yeah, he made a really Rafinha clever makes... run to take the defenders away. Yeah, it's Rafinha. Dra- drags the defenders to make a little bit of space for Dallas. And uh, yeah, he just kind of punts it on. Uh, I think it's his left foot as well. I think he punts it with his left foot. <laughs> he curves it into goal. It's a really, really odd finish. But yeah, yeah it, it was a fantastic finish from Dallas, and uh, that's his fifth goal of the season. Would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> he must be up there for obviously Bamford's at least got around thirteen. He must be coming up to you know top four or five goal scorers in the in the team. Uh, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just way given. He's played quite a lot of it at you know left back and right back. Yeah, 
I mean, he played this game at left back and then finished it in, in midfield, didn't he? You know, he, he was playing the game at left back, but then yeah, for this goal, he charged forward in midfield and uh, yeah, really good finish from Dallas to make it two 0 and a lovely celebration from Dallas as well, uh, holding up a shirt that said Granny Val on the back, yes. a, a wonderful tribute to uh, to uh, Granny Val, um, and then Rafinha of course scored his fifth goal of the season, five minutes from time, uh, and a great free kick this one from Rafinha. Yes, it was superb. Um, it was a good move leading to the free kick as well. We were kind of getting forward in numbers and I think it's Minamino just completely legs up Helder Costa right near the edge of the area. And um, you can see Pablo Hernandez is, is stood next to it as well. I think it was to kind of uh, give the confusion, but it seems like Rafinha is kind of, you know, the main choice for set pieces these days. And I think it's it's a case of, it's not the greatest free kick in the world. It's, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's, a great, it's a good free kick, but I think it's a case, I think Bamford does look really kind of where he blocks uh, McCarthy's line of sight. So that when uh, Rafinha hits the ball, McCarthy only realises which way it's going too far too late and can't dive quickly enough to get over there. So he finds the bottom corner. But yeah, it's uh, from the distance it, it was, it was good. But I think um, if McCarthy had a clear line of sight, I think he maybe saves that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was poor goalkeeping, really, from you know, from from Southampton's point of view. But um, no, for Rafinha to get the ball up and over the wall, and you know, straight into that into that far corner, yeah, I thought it was a, a really good finish from Rafinha. And as I say, his fifth goal of the season. He's a uh, he's got the same amount as a Stuart Dallas, which is just just crazy. <laughs> uh, but our 3-0 win for Leeds United uh, in the end here. Yeah, just uh, a, a really nice, solid, solid win in the end, really. And it was an entertaining game. I, I must say, you know, for, from a neutral, I'm sure neutral would have, would have enjoyed the game. You know, chances for both sides, end to end at times, and uh, but no, in, in the end, it was just a nice, uh, nice result for Leeds United. Yeah, I guess our goal difference back to zero. It's good confidence builder, and uh, we've got a tough run of games coming up, so it was really essential to, I think, go back as a 13 points clear of the relegation zone now, closing in on that magic 40 points. So it was really important. To, it was more important win than anything. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a very important win because yeah, we do have a, a number of tough games coming up. Uh, yeah, Aston Villa at home, of course, on Saturday, and uh, yeah, only three games in March because there's an international break at the end of the month, I believe. So uh, yeah, two trips to London and Chelsea at home in March. So uh, yeah, very difficult fixtures coming up. So yeah, it was it was important to get the three points on Tuesday, and we did. And uh, yeah, as you say, uh, closing on the uh, forty points, one thirty-five points now. So yeah, only five more points needed for that magic forty. Yeah, thirteen points above the relegation zone, as you. Say, and it moved us back into the top half of the Premier League table as well. We're tenth in the Premier League table now, which is a, just great to see. And uh, and yeah, just a, a very important win for Leeds on Tuesday. Uh, who was your man of the match from the game? It was quite tough this one because everyone played well. I'm tempted to give it to Stuart Dallas just from for playing all over the place, picking up the goal, <laughs> just being all, all round brilliant utility player. I'm also tempted to give it to uh, Diego Uente, completing 90 minutes, putting in a really good shift. Probably yeah. should have scored as well. So. There's a, there's a couple of good options, but I think I'm probably going to give it to Stuart Dallas. I thought it was just superb in that game. Yeah, it was a, it was a very tough one for me, but uh, no, I've got to give it to Rafinha. I, I thought Rafinha was a joy to watch again on Tuesday evening. It was a, yeah, uh, just just superb. Uh, he won the Twitter poll, the man of match uh, Twitter poll, uh, by uh, 71.4% of the votes. He's just so good as Rafinha to watch, isn't he? I mean, he, he is possibly the best signing Leeds have made in my lifetime. He, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, we've... We've signed some proper dross in our lifetimes, so. But yeah, yeah, he's he's a, he's a quality player. He's, he's yeah. really good, and um, he's one of them players I'm really excited to see in the in the flesh. Yeah, hopefully, 
Hopefully, if, if we get them at the end of the season, then um, yeah, hopefully we'll see Rafinha before you know before the, the bids start flying in in the summer, which I'm, I'm sure will happen. But uh, uh, but no, Rafinha, it was superb on Tuesday. Everyone played well, uh, especially in the second half on Tuesday evening, and then uh, yeah, a, a really good game for Leeds. Uh, you mentioned Diego Llorente there, uh, of course, his home debut uh, played the full ninety minutes, which was really good to see. A bit shaky from him, you know, from the start, really, you know, a bit slow, but you know, he grew into the game, um, and I do think. You know, we, we probably do need cutting some slack, some slack because he's you know been riddled with injuries this season, hasn't played much at all, just coming back from an injury. So, uh, yeah, I think we need to cut him some slack, and yeah, I think that explains the slow start really. But he grew into it, got got into the rhythm of things, and uh, yeah, Lamente played quite well, didn't he? Yeah, it was superb towards the end of the game. I thought he was really uh, really defending well. I thought he was demanding a lot of the players around him, and it, he kind of it was him picking up the dangerous passes out from the back that set up the first goal. So and got himself a great chance at the other at the uh, second end of the pitch. I thought he was yeah defensively really solid, and he's a big unit as well, which means it's always going to help yeah. when, we're, when we're defending. Yeah, yeah, he certainly played uh, played well on Tuesday, and Ilan uh, Meziev as well. Another clean sheet for him. Uh, he is now the first goalkeeper under the age of twenty one to record eight clean sheets in a single Premier League season. He's a record breaker. <laughs> he's been a record breaker quite a few times this season I think <laughs> he's uh, and I think it's a possibility he could get to 10 you know I think he's we can we can definitely record two more clean sheets this season in my opinion I think uh, I'm looking at you Fulham and Sheffield United <laughs> as, the, uh, <laughs> as, as the best chance we've got of recording clean sheets there but yeah I think he's really kind of a baptism of fire here is a lot's been asked of him given his age and, and given that keepers his age and only sat on the bench for years and years and years. So yeah. to come in and be a first team keeper, I think he's had he's had a few hammerings. Some have been his fault, some haven't. But I think he's really played on the on the whole, I think he's played well this season. Yeah, yeah. Mezzi has been fantastic this season considering he's uh yeah, twenty years old. You know, he's had he's had a lot asked for him. You know, he has taken a few hammerings, you know, some goals that have been his fault. But you know, he'll only just learn from those. It's a great experience for him and uh yeah, it's been fantastic this season. As I say, eight clean sheets now, which is just fantastic. And um, and yeah, ho- hopefully he keeps it up. He's a yeah, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, is Mezia. A word on the pitch though <laughs> from choosing that game. It it looked dreadful, didn't it? And players are still slipping and sliding all over the place. I cannot wait till the new drainage system and pitch gets put in place in the summer. I really can't. Well, yeah, I think the, the club are definitely going to sort it out in the summer. I can't, I can't see a scenario where we get to August and September with the exact same pitch. Cause I, I just, I don't think it'll happen. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit rough. But I think we're adjusting to it faster than other other teams because we're playing more games there. You know, yeah. but the uh, yeah, it's it's kind of tough that when you when you've got Bamford calling it a winter wonderland in his post match interview, <laughs> you know, you know, it's a bit rough. <laughs> It's an awful pitch, really, and um, yeah, can't, can't wait for when you want to be put in place in the summer. But, um, but yeah, no, f- a solid 3-0 win for Leeds United uh, on Tuesday, a very good win. And uh, yeah, that puts us in good stead heading to uh, Saturday's game, which is, of course, at home against Aston Villa. Charles and I will preview that game later on in the show. Well, let's now have a look at some news, and we've got some good news and bad news to go over. Uh, what do you want to start with? <laughs> I will start with the bad news, and on a positive. All right, let's start with the bad news then. The bad news is Calvin Phillips' injury uh, is worse than what we uh, initially thought. Uh, Marcel Bielsa said in this week's press conference that Phillips' calf injury could get worse if they time his comeback wrong. So they are being cautious. Uh, so Phillips potentially could be out for another few weeks, which uh, is not good, Charles. No, it's not great. Um, 
it's just unfortunate, but we, we'll just have to cope without him. We've done it before this season and we've, we'll have to do it again. I can understand what they mean, though. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be much longer. They just don't want to get it wrong. And it's unfortunate because February, there's been loads of games in February all in a row. So once once we get through this, there'll be slightly longer gaps between games and it'll give a few of our injured players time to time to come back. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's unfortunate missing Calvin because he's kind of crucial to the way we play, but we'll have to just cope without him. Yeah, yeah, it's very unfortunate missing Calvin, but you know it's right that we're being patient with you know his comeback from injury and you know every other player's comeback from injury. You know, so it's important not to rush him back so soon, and then you you know you only just aggravate injuries and make them worse, and then do that for even longer periods of time. It's yeah, yeah, it's good to uh, you know to you know to time it well and you know bring him back when when they are properly ready to to return really. But um, you know we're, we're certainly going to miss him. We we played seven games without Calvin Phillips this season. We've won two. And lost five. So, uh, yeah, it's clear how important he is to the team. And um, yeah, we, we we do miss him when when you know when he isn't playing, don't we? Oh yeah, he's uh, our most important player. He starts on all our moves. So mm. uh, we are inevitably going to miss him. He's an he's an, he's an England international for for Christ's sake. <laughs> of course, we're going to miss him in the uh, the best in the midfield. But we'll just have to cope. Yeah, yeah, we certainly will. And we we have coped well without him, you know, recently. We did well against Wolves, of course, beat Southampton 3-0. Earlier on in the season, we beat Aston Villa 3-0 away from home. So, you know, does the win over Southampton and Villa and, you know, the performance against Wolves give you confidence heading into, you know, certainly Saturday's game without Cameron Phillips and you know, any other game without Cameron Phillips? I think having Urente in there, having another kind of defender available means the I'm a little bit less worried because... We played three at the back against Southampton. I think we can always do that again, and that kind of means we don't we don't rely as heavily on the defensive midfield position. It means we can yeah. uh, we're, we're generally okay. So that kind of alleviates some of the pressure of it. And uh, I just hope that you can you know recover over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean certainly the you know the uh, you know Levante coming back certainly does alleviate some you know some pressure. You know because you know even if we do want to go four one four one again, you know Stuart can go into CDM, but. Juventus can cover that centre back, which keeps Luke Hale in that right back way so much better. So yeah, no, it's good to have Levente back and you know have more options in the uh, in the defensive places. But um, no, we still don't have a replacement, a solid replacement in midfield for Carmen Phillips. And uh, we discussed this in the last episode. It's probably time that we bring in a like for like replacement for him in the summer, uh, just for squad depth and, and cover really. But no, it, it's good to see you know Juventus back and you know we have more options in defence again now. But uh, yeah, no, Carmen Phillips. Uh, good luck to him in his recovery. We're, we're certainly gonna gonna miss him he's a key player to the team very influential he keeps things ticking over he's a yeah very uh, important part of, of the squad uh so yeah we will miss him but you know even if phillips is out for a week or two charles you know he might only miss one game because after the aston villa game on saturday we have a nine day break before we play west ham so he he could be back for the west ham game he could only miss one game i mean that is the ideal scenario but well, we'll just have to see how his his injury develops yeah, we'll certainly need to, uh, need to keep an eye on uh, Calvin Phillips and, uh, yeah, certainly going to be interesting to see how we do without him. Uh, as for the other players, a uh, 29-year-old Spanish striker, Rodrigo, is still out but did return to training last week. 30-year-old Polish midfielder, Matthäus Klick, is doing okay and has a chance of playing on Saturday. And 24-year-old German defender, Robin Koch, is due back in training in the first week of March. Uh, it'll be very good to welcome Robin Koch back, won't it? Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Um 
we, we've suffered so badly with defensive injuries this season. It'd be nice to just have them all, you know, back fit. Thought Cork had some great games for us, and also had some not so great games. I thought he was he's been unlucky at times, really. But it it would just be so great to have all our defenders fit and available for selection. <laughs> that'd be that'd be lovely. Yeah, yeah, it certainly will. Um, but we're again probably going to have to be patient with Robin Cock. He's been out for three months, so um, you know we're, we're going to have to time his uh, uh, his comeback uh, well. Um, and it'll take some time, won't it, for for Cock to get back into the side if you know Stuart Cooper and Diego Juventa keep up these uh, performances that they've been putting in recently. Competition's never a bad thing. No. Not for not for play, not for places in a football team. So I'm, I'd be delighted to have them all fit and available. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, now let's move on to the uh, to the good news and uh, some very good news, really. So the UK government has uh, set out the nation's roadmap out of lockdown. Uh, and if everything goes as planned, uh, then fans will be allowed to return to matches from the 17th of May with up to 10,000 spectators. Uh, that will be uh, in time for the final weekend of the Premier League season. Uh, so up to 9,400 fans could be able to watch Leeds United versus West Brom at Ellen Road on the 23rd of May. Uh, but of course, you know, it can only happen if everything goes to plan. People stick to government guidance and coronavirus cases, you know, continue to drop. So please, you know, if you're listening and watching this right now, then uh, yeah, do stick to the guidance, please, so we can get out of this lockdown as soon as possible, really. Uh, but Charles, there's, a, there's now a, a very big light at the end of this very long tunnel. Yeah, it's, it provides a bit of hope there. Whether or not everything will progress as the government now are expecting it to is another matter. But, you know, should everything go to plan, that is a, is, is a great, along with the Euros, you know, allegedly being completely held in, in England as well. It's a lot, some, good, some good news on the football front. Yeah, certainly is. There's a, a lot of good stuff to uh, to look forward to, really. And uh, yeah, if 9,400 fans are able to, to go to the West Brom game on the final day of the season, I mean, w- what a day that will be. For those going, I mean, what an atmosphere it's going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I won't be there because I'm no longer <laughs> no longer a season ticket holder. But uh, you've got you've got the chance of getting on the uh, on the ballot. Yeah, I mean, so is that who who you think tickets will be given to? Season ticket holders? Uh, yes, I think there'll be uproar if it's not the case. I think it'll just be balloted for ten thousand season ticket holders. I yeah. don't think anyone can really move at that. So, yeah, I don't think there'll be any argument if, you know, season ticket holders do get priority. There's, what, over 20,000 season ticket holders and, yeah, if only, you know, 9,400 fans can go and then, uh, yeah, that's half of the amount of season ticket holders there are. So, um, yeah, I don't think many can argue if season ticket holders do get priority because we've already paid money for, uh, you know, to, to go to games this season. So, um, but I think even people without a ticket, Charles, will probably head down to Ellen Road just for the atmosphere. I mean, I, I know I certainly would. If if I don't get a ticket, I know I certainly would want to uh, just go down and just experience a match day again outside the stadium. Yeah, I mean, if, if the pubs are open, I'd, I'd definitely go in the pub near to the ground. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I've just missed the, missed the whole match day experience, as I'm sure many have. So, um, yeah, no, if that does happen, then, uh, yeah, what day that is going to be. Um, and finally, Marcel Bielsa spoke recently about his future at Leeds United. Um, he said, I don't imagine my professional future. Nothing is better than what Leeds represents as a job. If a club wants an answer before the end of the season, I will respond, but I will tell them they should consider what happens in this period. I would not consider any alternatives until my job with Leeds is done. And Bielsa also dismissed the idea that because he hasn't committed yet means that he doesn't want to stay. He's dis- he's dismissed those ideas. Uh, so yeah, Charles, what, what do you make of uh, Bielsa's comments? Just really nice to hear him speak so nicely about the club, about the he complimented the area, you know, Leeds, Yorkshire, and he's, I think he, see, he sees it as a as a great project. Um, 
his, his most fascinating line was was his line when he was talking about the um, he doesn't consider his job at least to be done yet, and I'm quite curious to find out what he means by that. Whether he means you know having Leeds fans back in, seeing them play in the Premier League, whether he means you know touching the European spots, or I don't know what he considers job done. Well, I'm excited to kind of find out. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting as well, hearing him say that because, uh, yeah, we, we, we've won promotion back to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. You would have thought that that would have been, you know, the main big job that he was brought in to do. But uh, yeah, to say that he, he doesn't consider the job at Leeds dumb. Yeah, very interesting and very exciting, really. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what he does consider a job done at Leeds United, you know, what, what he is aiming for. Yeah, very, uh, very fascinating. Uh, I also like how he says that he's not going to consider any alternatives until the job at Leeds is done, which is uh, just uh, reassures us that, you know, he also probably won't be tempted, you know, if you know, Arsenal sack the manager, you know, Manchester City, Man United sack their managers and they come calling for Bielsa, he won't be tempted by the moves. You know, you know he, he's never struck as a that type of person, has he? You know, he's never been tempted by, you know, money and, you know, a chance at you know a, a so-called bigger club, you know he, he's invested in you know in the in the plan and the project at Leeds. I think he's just very comfortable in the job, and I don't think there's any other club, any of these big massive behemoth clubs that are going to give him the control over the team, over the training practices, that the, the kind of free reign that he gets from Rodrizani and Victor Rotter and Angus Kinnear. I don't think anyone anyone else is going to give him that kind of free reign in that kind of high level of a job, and he he can see the potential of the club if it's invested in correctly if it's coached correctly so i think he he likes that he likes the opportunity i don't think he likes the uh i don't think he'd enjoy doing what guardiola does where he just goes to munich and goes to barcelona and goes you know goes to manchester city and just has all the most expensive players in the world i don't think Bielsa would find that a great challenge yeah no he he invests in 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 clubs in clubs projects doesn't he and uh yeah he wants what you know what you know what? You know if if he wants you know the training ground redeveloped, you know he he wants those assurances from the board and you know the Leeds United board, you know the club they've they've given Bielsa what he wants. They've redeveloped the training ground. You know Ellen Road, there's you know redevelopment plans there. A new training ground is going to start being built in a few years. So um, you know the club are giving Bielsa what he wants. You know he doesn't want money. No, he's he's not bothered. Like you know last summer, Angus Kinnear coming out in interviews saying you know Bielsa still hasn't signed, but you know he's planning on on the next season. No, he's not bothered about you know whether he's tied down to a job and you know being paid. He just wants to focus on just getting a good work, you know, some good work done. He's he's a fascinating character as Bielsa. Yeah, it's just he makes all of our all of our lives football lives at least a lot more interesting. And uh, I think the club are going to be a lot poorer, and uh, we're all going to be a bit poorer when he leaves. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to think about the day he leaves. To be honest, I, I really, really don't because uh, yeah, that's going to be a horrible day. I mean, I, I, you know, I really do love Marcel Bielsa. He's, you know, he's really changed the club and the city for the better. He's done a phenomenal job at Leeds United, and uh, yeah, hopefully he stays forever and ever. But you know, he, he does seem to, to you know. Like Leeds, he's happy at Leeds. He's comfortable here at Leeds. You know, he, he's he's enjoying working at Leeds United, and uh, yeah, it's great to hear him. You know, speak out about you know the job at Leeds. You know how much he, he likes it, and the fact that yeah, he won't consider any other opportunities until the job at Leeds is done. Which uh, yeah, is is very exciting. Uh, Bielsa, though, he, he is sixty five years old. Could you see Bielsa retiring at Leeds? If Roy Hodgson, Roy Hodgson can be a manager until he's seventy three. Bielsa can be a manager until he's seventy three. <laughs> I think he's that kind of guy. He's he's a complete 
workaholic. I think he would quite happily just do it for the rest of his life. I don't think he's really interested in, as much as I'm sure he probably enjoys red wine, I don't really think he wants to go sit in, in Argentina drinking Malbec for the next 10 years. I think he'd much rather be, be stood in the in the pissing rain in, in South London in Crystal Palace. <laughs> That's just the kind of strange bloke he is. You know, and I can respect that. I've, I've got a lot of, a lot of time for that. <laughs> Let's now have a look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them host Aston Villa at Ellen Road on Saturday. The game kicks off at 5.30pm and is live on Sky Sports. Uh, Charles, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this game. Uh, are you? Yeah, yeah it'd be fantastic. I really just want us to get to that 40-point mark so I can completely and utterly relax and just watch us go out every... Um, you know, those games in April they were playing like all the kind of top four teams in the league in, in, in a row. I, I would quite happily just have us on 40 points just going out there and just thinking there's zero pressure on this. We can just play however we want and hopefully get a good result and we, without having to, to worry. But yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity to pick up three points. I think Villa are a little bit out of sorts. They're missing, obviously, the, the diving X-factor that is Jack Grealish. Um <laughs> And uh, they're still playing, you know, El Mahamadi at fullback, even after Kemal Roof tore him a new one a couple of years ago. So, you know, I think there's definitely a chance to get something. Yeah, yes, there's certainly, you know, something in this game for Leeds United. It's it's a very good chance to get the three points, as you say. Um, and yeah, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to the game. It's always fascinating against Aston Villa, isn't it? You know, when you look back at, you know, recent years, that 3-2 win at Aston Villa, 3-0 early on this season, that one all at Ellen Road as well, where Bielsa just gifted them a goal. So it's always a fascinating game against Aston Villa. And, you know, I am looking forward to side of this game. Um, and Villa, you know, they, they play decent football. They're consistent as well. And they're having a really good season as well, by all accounts, because, of course, they just survived last season. But this season, Dean Smith side at eighth in the Premier League table on 36 points. Just one point above us, uh, we have played two more games uh, than them, uh, but I am quite surprised that you know we're just below them considering where you know how Aston Villa started the season. You know, I mean, they were knocking on the doors of the of European place early on in the season, so uh, it, it just shows how, how good we've done this season. Yeah, it seems like Aston Villa have had games in hand over everyone else for the entire season. I don't know if that's just me, <laughs> it seems like they've constantly had like two or three games in hand. Are they not, deliberately not playing games? They can just say, Oh, we've still got three games in hand. Yeah, they've they've had a good season, kind of annoyingly so. But the um, but yeah, they they kind of dropped off in recent weeks. Obviously, they got that they got slapped by Leicester. So there is some frailties there, and I do think they're not they're a bit like us. They're not quite good enough to get you know hit that kind of top six, top seven. And I think they'll they'll probably finish similar to us between kind of eighth and twelfth. I think they're in that kind of band of clubs. But so I think it'll be a fairly even game but in general. They're missing their key player. We're missing a couple of our key players. So it's it'll be a difficult. I think it's a difficult one to predict. I think it'll be fairly even. Yeah, so do I. I think I think it's certainly going to be a you know a, a really good game. And um, and yeah, you know, two two sides who you know fairly you know inconsistent scores. You know, throughout the season, you know, similar sort of positions. So um, yeah, it, it, it will be a fairly even game. I think um, you mentioned their Villa losing two one at home to Leicester in their last game. And yeah, they are without they are without uh, Jack Grealish one of their, if not their best player. He's certainly, you know, I mean, I watched the game against Leicester and Aston Villa just, you know, they didn't really have anything going forward without Grealish. So um, he's a big loss for them. Yeah, that's the worst part about Jack Grealish is that he's actually quite a talented footballer. (laughs) If he could cut out his whole, his attitude and his diving antics, he'd be, you know, if he a really well-liked footballer, but he's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's been good for them and he'll probably get taken to the Euros as well. But, you know, them missing him, it's, it's a big loss and they, they lose something huge when he's not in the side. Similar, to, you know, we miss Calvin Phillips for different reasons, but Phillips is probably just as important to us. 
Yeah, certainly. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interest, interesting Villa playing uh, without Grealish. He, he's out for a few weeks as well. So uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But Aston Villa, they, they still have some some good players though who can cause us problems. Uh, Ollie Watkins, who was their top goal scorer this season with 12 goals and two assists. Uh, Ross Barkley with three goals and one assist. Taimo Mings as well in defence, who, uh, you know, is knocking on the doors for an England call-up. He's a decent defender. So um, yeah, it, it certainly will be, you know, will be a tough game on Saturday and leads a... Going to have to, you know, have to do something special to win this game. I'd love if Bamford got another hat trick, though. If Patrick got two, if Bamford got two hat tricks against Villa in the same season, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be amazing. But yeah, I think it, I think it's possible. I think it'll be, yeah, I don't think it'll be that easy. I think it's going to be fairly even. The thing is, with it being at home, we're generally better away. But then again, last time I, we predicted a game, you got it right and I didn't. So I think I'll, I'll defer yeah. to you. Yeah, I mean, I predicted a 3 0 win over Southampton. Of course, we beat Southampton 3 0. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, yeah. Hopefully, I get this score prediction right as well. But um, but I, I mean, I, I I do think you know Leeds have a, a very good chance of winning. You know, we do kind of need to win. You know, as you say, get get to the forty points, the magic forty points as soon as possible, really. But no, you you consider you know our next few games. You know, three games in March, two trip to London, where we haven't won in in London since December twenty seventeen. So, uh, and. Home game against Chelsea. So, um, yeah, three very tough games in March. So it's very important to, you know, we're at home against a side who, you know, are around us in the table. It's a very good chance to get three points, move close to 40 points. And it's important to get three points heading into a tough run of fixtures in March. Yeah. You just need that pressure taken off us. I mean, I think it'd be, uh, given Fulham's fixtures, I think it'd be a kind of minor miracle if they managed to escape relegation, to be honest, even though they are in good form. So I think we're more or less there, but we just want to make sure of it. Yeah, we certainly do want to make sure of it. Uh, of course, no Calvin Phillips for this game. Uh, so, would you would you keep the lineup and change from the Southampton game? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the the Costa Harrison situation, whether or not to start Elder Costa, or whether or not to kind of do what we've been doing in recent weeks, whether it's give Harrison the first half, Costa the second half, or the Costa's maybe better just being the impact sub. I don't know. Probably, I think I'd probably keep the same. Yeah, so I mean, I think if you start Helder Costa and you start Rafinha on the left, and for me personally, I think Rafinha is miles better on the right, cutting in onto that you know wicked left foot of his. So yeah, I'd probably keep it unchanged. But if Jack Harrison's not having a good game, then you can always switch up at half time. So um, so yeah, I, I probably would keep unchanged. And I mean, you know, we, we beat Southampton three 0 You know, why change a winning formula? As a, as they say, I certainly think Costa's in for a shout, but um. I personally would would keep it unchanged, really. Um, now, Leeds have a, a fan, have a fantastic record against Aston Villa. Just uh, two defeats in the last 14 meetings uh, with uh, six draws and uh, six wins. Uh, Villa haven't won at Ellen Road since December 2000 uh, when they won 2-1. So, um, yeah, they haven't won at Ellen Road for a long, long time. And I'm quite surprised that we've got such a good record against Villa. Of course, we're beating 3-0 early on in the season and we were without Calvin Phillips for that game. So, we're... Uh, can we beat them again without Calvin Phillips? What what can you see happening in this game? I'm going to back us to win this one. I do think we're going to win it. I think it's going to be a uh, marginal win, though. I think it's going to be tough. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be you know, a, a really good game, I think. Uh, yeah, Aston Villa will have, will have chances. We'll have chances. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be as you know quite as convincing as... Uh, what it was early in the season. I don't think it's going to be another 3-0. Um, but no, you say 2-1... I'm going to go three one. <laughs> I'll go three one. I reckon there. Uh, we we, we, well, we could grab a few goals. I hope you're right again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do I. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Leeds United can uh, get three points on Saturday. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 87 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much as always to Charles for joining me. 
Thanks for having me on, Matt. No worries. Appreciate you joining me as always, mate. And uh, thank you as well to everyone who has watched or listened. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure to uh, follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're on right now. Uh, if you have an Apple device, head on over to it. Go on podcasts and uh, give us a five-star rating. That would be very much appreciated. Uh, share the podcast around as well. That really does help us out. And uh, make sure to follow All Things Leads on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search Pod Things Leads 1 on Twitter and Instagram. Search Pod Things Leads on Facebook and on YouTube. Give us a subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, but uh, Charles and I will be back uh, next week. Uh, so for now, take care and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>